0: Welcome to Poptopia. Welcome to Poptopia, your podcast for all things pop culture. I'm your host, Paul French, and it is Friday, November 16th, 2007. On today's episode, more Rider Strike talk. My Bloody Valentine makes a way back to the stage. And who gets to make the new hero on Heroes? Maybe you. So, um, looking at Heroes, um... He- the, the as reported by e! online today, hero's next hero is in your hands. Um, of course, they've con- confirmed that the production has been halted on Heroes Origins. We know that there was going to be an Eli Roth episode. There was going to be a Kevin Smith episode. Well, they're not doing it for now. It's been put on hold indefinitely uh, until the whole uh, WGA strike is done. So NBC has come up with another way to uh, introduce yet another hero into the into the series. Okay. Yeah, here it is. On Monday, uh, NBC.com's hero site launched a create your own hero uh, feature. So basically what you can do is users will be able to vote online for the attributes they'd most like to see in, in new heroes, uh, a male hero and a female hero. And basically everything coming down from, you know, continent, their origin, and even down to uh, to their superpower. So, of course, it's being rolled out in installments. So basically, week one, they offered the, the following categories, place of birth, appearance, and body type. So that's the starting point. And then basically, each week, a little more of this gets added in. And viewers will get to witness exactly what the uh, characters look like during commercial breaks. And basically, the final unveiling is going to happen sometime next year. So there's a similarity between this and the original Heroes origins um uh concept because basically Heroes origins was going to be you know here's the episode that someone wrote um you know which one do you like best and uh whichever one uh is voted as the favorite uh, new character well they'll appear on the the uh, on the mothership sort of the uh, the real hero series uh in the following season. But now, you know, the way to look at it is is they're finding a way so that we can get people to to do that voting and still have some kind of control over exactly what we're going to get out of it. But all they got to pay for is putting up a website instead of paying the production costs of of doing the show, you know, and paying writers to write the show. It's an example of of where uh, you know, th- this is basically, you know, the studios seem to seem to really be into finding a way so of course they don't need a um a uh, writer a union uh, writer to uh, to make the rules for this kind of contest so you know they they're kind of finding a way that works for them um not that they couldn't you know obviously sell more commercial time on on heroes origins and that kind of thing and i don't think they would have to worry about uh, whether or not that was going to cover their production costs cuz the show's still doing well even despite uh, um not being uh, as as strong as it was in the first season so of course uh they've already uh shut down um production on on heroes the actual series so heroes you know i, I don't want to use the mothership term um you know it's kind of like with csi i never referred to csi as as the uh as the mothership i always call it csi classic that's just the, it's just the way i am with it um anyway 11 of 24 episodes are going to be completed um so basically we got 3 new episodes left before uh before the uh the, the show's over for this, for the season. Maybe the season, maybe just a few months. I don't know. It still looks like this is going to drag on for quite a long time. There's been a, a whole lot of talk about uh you know the studios have been trying to save face a bit, saying, "Hey, you know, we we pay these guys all right. You know, we we you know, a writer makes about 60,000 a year," forgetting the fact that of course they, you know, they have to live in Hollywood to be able to do the job and well, you know, the uh, property values are, are kind of intense, uh, if, you know, depending on the standard of living that you want. But one would assume that people want to sort of move up in life and that kind of thing. So uh, some form feedback on the uh, writer's strike uh, from Derek Howard over at the uh, over at the Deliberate Noise Network. He said, uh, when, it start- when it started, I was on the side of the-, of the studios because it seemed like the writers were complaining when there were a lot of people who were in more shape-, shape than they are. And, uh, and and Derek's from, from Detroit, so he says, Living in a, in, un, in a union town with rapidly deteriorating manufacturing industry makes me a little sensitive when I hear people talking about striking when they have jobs. Then I started to find out a bit more about the issues, and now I'm firmly on the side of the writers. If the studios negotiate and be fair about it, then it might be torn. But they lie about the things they say are promotional but are getting paid for. Sounds like shenanigans to me. And and I gotta agree there. Just uh another example, I think I in the episode last week and when Derek wrote this he hadn't listened to the episode yet, but I mentioned uh uh Ron Moore talking about the webisodes that he had done for Battlestar Galactica. A similar thing happened with The Office, where they produced a series of webisodes. Of course no credits were put on them, so you know there's no having to deal with uh with writing royalties through uh through arbitration. That's shenanigans. And then, to make matters worse, they put it on the DVD, and of course, the DVD model's been kind of lacking as well. So, Just Bill from the Comic Drawer Box podcast, which you can check out at www.justbill.comicbookpage.com, he says, I'm on the side of indifference. I think the studios are crooks, but I hate the idea that everybody is always looking for bigger pieces of the pie and constant streams of revenue. I don't get paid in per- perpetuity for work that I did last year. I've got to constantly produce to get paid. We all put too much importance on the entertainment industry, whether it's actors, writers, athletes, or whatever. And I do agree with that to a point. Now, I will say this. When it comes to uh, to the residuals, it's like I said last week. We may not agree with the concept of, of residuals, but that's what they arrived at at some point, was that basically you do get paid in, per- in perpetuity for this. And there's a good reason for it, and it makes a lot of sense, actually. And I'll just kind of break it down. With with the residuals, essentially, it's kind of like it's kind of like when you work in a restaurant and you work as a as a waiter or waitress, right? You get paid minimum wage basically, and that's only because that is the minimum which you can be paid. And the but the understanding is that as you get out there, you uh, you give good service, you get paid for that service that you give. It makes you work a little bit harder to to really realize your your earnings potential. Same thing kind of goes with, uh, with TV. Risk- TV is a risky game, first of all. And um, in the last sort of 15 years, basically, it became a writer's game. It used to be that you had a producer who hired a bunch of writers. But really, in the last 15 years, it's been a writer's game. The writer creates the show and runs the show. So so what does that mean? Well, what it means is, is that because there's been a whole lot of big deals on this, that when you staff the writer's room, there's not as much money left to go around. And part of that ends up being, hey, we're going to pay you this much, but don't worry, when this episode airs, you're going to get a chunk then. And what this does is it actually encourages people to, uh, to you know, put their best foot forward on an episode because, hey, you want this to be an episode that people are talking about on, uh, you know, the next day at the water cooler? Hey, does anyone's office actually have a water cooler? I- I'm just wondering. Anyway, it, um, you know, it... it <laughs> You want to have that show that people are talking about. You want to have that show where people want it to be repeated. Um, you know, there's a lot of shows that come out and they last maybe one or two episodes, and you and you never get that DVD set or or whatever. You know, I think back to the show Reunion, where they I think they aired about ten or eleven episodes, and um, they we're never going to get that on a DVD, and it wouldn't matter anyway because creatively the story was, you know, it wasn't going to happen. They never finished uh the storyline so we would have been left with a fairly disappointing uh box set but the idea is and and of course that show's not going to play in reruns because again people are going to want the whole story so you put your best foot forward you write your best episode you write something that that's likely to get repeated again and again and you're going to get paid for that and uh, as it goes on so what you're getting is you're getting a smaller amount paid up front in order to realize larger earnings down the road and what this does is it the whole idea is that it allows the uh the studios to to basically continue to not pay uh writers as much up front because hey you're gonna get that money down the road where it gets ugly is where they kind of change the format a bit oh well that uh, that episode you know we put that out as an on-demand episode and that's not covered in your contract oh we put that out as a downloadable episode on the web and that's not covered under your contract and that's really why they're pushing for this is is somebody is going to get paid every time that episode airs somebody is going to get paid when it streams online and there's ad revenue, which admittedly is a very small piece of the pie I, you know I'm amazed that the, uh, the the studios are really holding out on that one but somebody is going to get is going to get paid for that why shouldn't the people who created it get paid for it? Again, just my opinion. Your mileage may vary, but but that that's kind of my thought on it. Anyway, thanks for the the feedback, guys. Really appreciate it. And it's it's nice to be able to look at both both sides of 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 the point. You know, both points of view. Because I did think that it's like, yeah, I don't get paid in perpetuity either. In fact, sometimes things that happened before can make me get paid less. And you know, it's it's part of working in sales, I guess anyway my bloody valentine um look at this we're moving away from Rider strike for the first time in like three weeks um indie legends my bloody valentine have announced details of their first live date since 1992 last time they released an album was 1991's loveless and they're going to play three uk shows in the summer of 2008 uh june 20th they're going to be in london at the roundhouse uh, Ju- uh june 28th in manchester at the apollo and in glasgow at the barrel end on july 2nd and uh I, I got nothing more to say to it, but I, I just really dig uh, My Bloody Valentine. That's a band I'd really love to see live. It'd be pretty pretty bizarre. Um, okay, so here's something that is kind of Rider-Strike related. Actually, it's very Rider-Strike related, but but something different anyway. Uh, SNL and 30 Rock, uh, Going Unplugged in New York, this uh, courtesy of Reuters. Um, the cast members of, of the... Of two of the shows that were most crippled by the writer's strike obviously uh well saturday night live right away i mean they went dark immediately um along with a lot of the talk shows uh but they're going to the cast of 30 rock and saturday night live because again you're talking about actors that are part of the writers guild so so they stopped right away because they don't want to cross the picket line to make the show and um they're going to deliver one time only live performances this weekend in manhattan the sold-out shows will take place at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theatre on West 26th Street, with proceeds going to a strike fund established by the Writers Guild. So, in fact, uh, Saturday Night Live is going to, uh, to go on at 11.30pm on Saturday, just like it would normally, and 30 Rock is going to go on at 8pm on Monday, and, uh, um, and, and they're going to do their show live. Uh, the musical guest on Saturday Night Live is going to be Yola Tango, and Michael Cera from uh, Superbad and Arrested Development is going to be the guest host on SNL. I just think that's kind of a neat idea. Um, they said that basically that, that theater, the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, is a second home to many of the performers and writers, and their whole idea is, uh, as uh, this is according to Amy Poehler, we're doing this to raise spirits, raise awareness, and raise money for our hard-working production crews who will be having a hard holiday season if the strike continues. And it's nice to see that people who are thinking of that. Um, Letterman uh, and, uh, well, basically Letterman's uh, production company, Worldwide Pants, which also owns the Late Late Show with uh, Craig Ferguson, have announced that they're going to pay their non-writer um, staff through uh, to the end of the year, which I think is a, a pretty classy move, considering that, hey, this is kind of beyond their control, and they still got to eat too. So, um, So there we go. There we go. So kind of, kind of writer strike related. Um, And, and, you know, and it it ties into, uh, it it affects other people, you know, when you think of the impact. Cable. Okay, you get cable. Um, But right now, cable operators are saying they've seen no impact on customers signing up for pay TV packages since the strike started uh, earlier this month uh cable officials who spoke to Reuters but did not want to be identified said that the walkout was unlikely to affect subscriptions in the near term or accelerate the rate of cancellations because most most of the shows impacted by the strike are still available on free broadcast networks. You know, when you think of it shows like Dexter, uh Brotherhood, they've they've got all their episodes in the can and and I understand The Wire does too, which I can't wait for The Wire to come back. I love that show. Anyway, now I promise something completely unwriter strike related. Uh, Katie Couric uh, shown in a web video posted on YouTube, uh, where she was basically mon- mocking Dan Rather. Um, Dan Rather had of course um, he had done uh, a, a remote broadcast a little while back and, and complained about about the uh you know his appearance and questioning whether or not he should be wearing a coat all this kind of stuff and um so that got released sort of last month and then this time around uh katie kirk's uh you know shown getting ready for a broadcast in nashville tennessee and she says i'm gonna be like dan rather on youtube and starts filling with her coat and says geez don't you think he deserves a little payback and she said then then last this tarts ready to go and this ties into the whole thing where rather said that what they've done is they've Brought that whole Today Show thing into uh, the evening news. They've dumbed it down and tarted it up in hopes of attracting a younger audience. So she was kind of taking a bite back at that. But where it gets ugly is there's an ongoing lawsuit between Dan Rather and CBS Corporation. um, And he's basically looking for $20 million in compensatory damages and $50 million in punitive damages, saying that basically his boss has made him a scapegoat for the controversy that came out of that whole story about uh, Bush's uh, military service. Maybe not a good idea for someone who is kind of a public face of CBS to be making fun of them on the air. I don't know. Call me crazy. Anyway, wow, that went by fast. That's all the time we got for today. Comments as always are welcome at PoptopiaPodcast at gmail.com and uh, you can also head on over to the forum and you can get to that forum over at the comicforums.com and just scroll halfway down the page. Have yourselves a fantastic weekend and a great week and I'll talk to you soon.